Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! Yeah, we're back this week with a lot of news going on in the world of entertainment. We've got some trailers to talk about. We've got Raya and the Last Dragon, Godzilla versus Kong, a young rock trailer to talk about. We've also got some news on Harry Potter possibly becoming a TV series from warner brothers we've also got some invincible updates uh that uh, animated series coming uh soon on amazon prime i think from robert kirkman and creators there and also we're going to get into the hbo max news that they've somehow skyrocketed past their subscriber prediction two years early if you believe the numbers so we're going to get into a lot of things here going on in the world of entertainment i am one of your hosts i am the outlaw john roca joined as always by these gentlemen here uh to my right or left depending on how you're looking at the t- at the uh, screen right now let's not do that sorry about that brother man whoo got a trigger happy outlaw over here I am confused. That's what I am. Uh, but I am also Michael Vogel, and whether I'm on his right or his left, I am a uh, writer, producer of animated TV shows and movies, and uh, glad that it's not my internet that's messing up right now. It's just Johnny. <laughs> I'm getting on in years. The gun sometimes shoots on its own. All right. Uh, what do you got there, <laughs> And this is Shannon McClung, and I am entertained right now. I hope you're as entertained as I am. But I'm also oh, an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Modern Family, Silicon Valley, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, do you have anything coming up? Have you been going out? Has the, has this, has the you know... There is... Auditions are happening. Like, they were happening more towards the end of the year, but then okay. when we went back on this after the holidays yeah. in yeah, California yeah. kind of, you know, that we went on that, you know, super, super restrictive lockdown. Right. The auditions have kind of stopped. I've heard stuff okay. has started filming, but there okay. is a particular series from Netflix that has had me on hold 
twice now. Oh, my um, God. so wow. I'm hoping that uh, they're okay. not done shooting yet, but I'm hoping that uh, the third time will be the charm. Yeah, that uh, Luke Cage season three. I got it. Uh, anyway. <laughs> 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 All right, let's, uh, for those of you who are new uh, to the program, thank you very much for joining us, for either downloading it on our podcast feed. You can always listen to us on the podcast feed that we have. Just look for the Geek Buddies wherever you download podcasts. And for those watching us on YouTube, thank you very much for those who are new here to the channel. But if you are returning, thank you even more for staying on the Geek Buddies train. Our numbers have really gone up over the last few months it's been great to see great to interact with all of you and for those of you who are new this is how the show works each one of us presents a geek news item we talk about it amongst ourselves for your enjoyment then we take a little bit of a mini break and jump into our main topic and our main topic how could it not be is the harry potter tv series and some stories we'd like to see happen if it does go down if it does go down so we'll discuss that as well uh but uh, let's start off uh with you right shannon that's me. Trailers, trailers, trailers. Ooh. So last week we got some pretty we got some pretty wacky, wacky trailers to review. This week we have some things that are probably a little more right down the middle in terms of appeal. <laughs> like you, in, in other words, we had weird shitty trailers last week, but now we bring in the goods. We're not okay. saying shitty. We're not, not saying, saying shitty. shitty. <laughs> you can say that to Nick Cage if you want. I'm not gonna say that to Nick Cage, but yeah, go ahead. I don't, I don't want the host of the history of swear words yelling at me. Uh, oh. But the first trailer we're going to talk about is Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. yeah. Ah! So, okay. So this is directed by Adam Wingard, who was uh, who directed The Guest and some other some other horror films. Yeah. Um, this was also one of the films that uh, is part of that WB HBO Max agreement. It will come out in theaters where theater is available, but it's also going to be available on HBO Max in March. So this is a continuation of the WB MonsterVerse that they tried to start back with I think it was in 2014 with that Godzilla. Right. Kept going with Kong Skull Island, continued with Godzilla King of the Monsters, and this is the latest chapter. So this trailer, it's bringing back some of the cast members we saw in Godzilla King of the Monsters, Kyle Chandler, Millie Bobby Brown. It's got some new people as well, Rebecca Hall, Alexander Sarsgaard. Basically, what happens when Kong finally meets Godzilla in, a, in an urban brawl? So <laughs> these movies are made for trailers because mm. it's spectacle it's it's the it's the nostalgia factor of watching king kong and godzilla get to go up against each other this is not the first time it happened back in the 50s and the 60s yeah. i believe when it was yeah. more the man in suit um but yeah the trailer is awesome it's so much fun to watch the like the effects are so incredible um the acting is is good for what it is it's a lot of it's godzilla why is Kong doing this? I mean, it's not its not that deep in terms of what they're asking. It's basically a movie about two monsters slugging it out. Yeah. Now, the movies that have come up to this point have been fine. Like Godzilla, I think we all agree, was like, God, it was Brian Cranston was so awesome in that. I wish they hadn't gotten rid of him. Mm. Um, Kong Skull Island, pretty entertaining. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, you know, they... they that was a that was a movie chock full of monsters and it just didn't quite at least for me it just didn't quite stick the landing it had the spectacle factor will godzilla versus kong do it based off of this trailer it's a solid maybe what do you okay. guys think mike 
Uh, yeah, look, I, I kind of agree with you about the other movies leading up to this. Uh, I would put them in the category of not great, but not offensive and pleasant to see. Like the special effects are so good and we do go see these movies for the monsters. And I think in any of these movies, while the human casts have been fine and the plot and story have been there, uh, to get us through the monster, the, the one thing you can say that all three movies did is they delivered on monsters. Like they, the monsters were great. The monsters looked good. The monsters were fun. Um, so I think this movie sort of benefits from uh, the expectations of what these previous three have gotten me to, which mm. is I want Kong and Godzilla to fight. I want them to look good. And any story that you give me on top of that will be bonus. Now, all that being said, I will give the movies credit that. In a world where everyone is trying to build these franchises and movies that have some level of continuity, and maybe it's because the plots are so ridiculous, they've built a kind of solid enough continuity yeah. that I'm like, yeah. okay, I get it. I know what the world is. I know what Monarch is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I think the biggest misery coming out of this trailer is that for the previous two Godzilla movies, Godzilla's more or less been the hero. And yeah. this trailer makes it really clear that they're bringing Kong in because Godzilla is now a problem. Now, the trailer also makes it clear that he's behaving erratically. There seems to be more of a mystery. Is there mind control? Uh, are humans yeah. controlling him? I mean, I know in the post credit sequence of the last Godzilla movie, we saw, uh, is it Charles Dance? Yes, Tywin Charles Lannister? Dance. Yeah. Uh, you know, stealing uh, a giant monster head. And there's a lot of theories that maybe... These two, uh, Godzilla and Kong, are going to end up teaming up by the end and fighting mm -hmm. Mecha Godzilla. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of places that this could go. So, yeah. regardless, there's going to be a lot of awesome monster action, and I think this movie will also benefit from the fact that we are starved yeah. for new movies. Yeah. Uh, so whether you're going to watch us on HBO Max, whether you're going to go to a theater if you're able, I think we are all so anxious to be able to see new things that this is going to be uh, an exciting one for everybody. Well, I mean, people better get ready because, I mean, it, this is part of the HBO Max uh, decision to be dropping all of these day and dates on HBO Max and, uh, sorry, the Warner Bros. decision to drop it on HBO Max and uh, in the theater. So get ready. I mean, uh, there will be no more starving in 2021. You will be fat and happy by the time December rolls around, I think, from all the releases going to be dropped on streaming. Well, we'll, uh, be, day we'll day. be fat. I don't know if we'll be happy. Well, well yeah, that's fair. That still <laughs> remains to be seen. Well, you'll be alive you should be happy but yeah sure. <laughs> certainly we'll see how that goes but i love this trailer really enjoyed it they do trailers well just like transformers they do trailers really really well it's what you get in the theater it's the law of diminishing returns i think consistently i enjoyed godzilla really did i like that they held off i like the visuals of godzilla i liked everything about that movie yes brian cranston uh, being off too early certainly was an issue but i didn't mind the movie itself god kong was fun uh with with okay king of monsters was just like let me turn my brain off and have some fun in this movie like old school stuff and people i just i get so frustrated with people who go like well, there's this movie, and I'm like, have you seen the 75 other Godzilla movies? They're not, like, that great, you know? Let's let's be real about what they're trying to do here. So the fact that they're bringing in so many great actors into, these, uh, into this franchise speaks volumes. I love that we get Rebecca Hall. And look, kudos to Rebecca Hall, who is a classically trained actress, trying to say the King Kong stuff that she's saying with such seriousness <laughs> and belief, and she does it. She pulls it off. Still in Scarlet, she's like, Nobody tells Kong to stand down. It's like, oh, 
all right, go get it. Uh, still in Sarsgaard, it's really great to have him be a part of this franchise as well. Love that Millie Bobby Brown, glad that Brian Tyree Henry is going to be a part of this too, having just watched finished Atlanta, the first two seasons of Atlanta, falling more in love with him as an actor, yeah. also classically trained at Yale. So it's like, to see all of this involved here is a lot of fun. I, and it's the same formula as Transformers. Bring in these like really good established actors, have them have a little fun in a monster movie or a tra- or a card uh, car transforming movie. Just let them have a little fun. But I hope this is a good one because the last one didn't do well as well as the others financially in the box office. And of course, this one's going to be me- measured a little differently because it's also coming out on HBO Max. But I hope the reviews are positive. I hope it's a good movie because you do want to see Godzilla versus Kong. I totally agree with you, Michael. I think the Mecha Godzilla thing is absolutely going to happen. Um, and it may be that Godzilla is being manipulated, you know, by Mechagodzilla yeah. to have this fight. Because you're right. Godzilla was the hero in the movies that we saw. This is going to follow every superhero fight battle we've mm-hmm. ever read in comics or seen in movies where, for reasons, these two are going to come to blows and yeah, have to yeah. fight each other. But by the end, neither Godzilla nor Kong is going to be a villain at this point. Both yeah. of them, uh, in, the, in at least this new iteration of movies... Uh, if not even in the earlier things, there's always the level that like these guys are not ultimately the villains. The biggest yeah. villains in these movies are us, and that is the most <laughs> realistic thing in all of them. So true. Um, I will, I do have to say, yeah. my favorite thing in all of these movies, still to this day, is the first Godzilla movie. Yeah. After he fights and like just passes out in the city and has like won the day and you get to the end of the movie and everyone's just chilling and he just wakes up and stumbles off like he woke up hungover. (laughs) Like Godzilla, hungover Godzilla, stumbling stumbling out of the city into the ocean and then credits roll is to me still the greatest thing in all these movies. And I don't think even Godzilla versus Kong is going to top the drunken like i feel like ass let me get back in the ocean that's yeah, that's yeah. really the that, that's the pinnacle of these movies for me yeah <laughs> and they're kind of combining the story aren't they because you know taking them in shackles to new york this isn't this that's reminiscent obviously of the original kong from 1933 but it doesn't look like they're going to be like putting him up for show and you know blah 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 and then the young girl i don't remember the young girl is that i don't i think that's, that's a new, new addiction isn't it that's new okay. that's so new. that's an, that's an interesting I, way to still have him have a connection with a female, just make it a young child, so he's even more sympathetic as a character. I kind of like I kind of like that more. Like yeah, I, I will you- say, out of everything in that, like that little girl, I was like, oh, I'm into this. This is yeah. a cool thing. I, I want to see more of this. So it's, it's it's very similar to the twins with uh, it was Mothra. Yeah, the, Mothra. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a very similar dynamic, and you found out in Godzilla: King of the Monsters that one of those twins was still around. Yeah. So there right. could be a connection like child child to kaiju connection i don't know but yeah, yeah it's coming coming out in march so marth mothra joke here all right good yeah what's <laughs> the next thing uh, <laughs> mikey take us out um, i will well march is definitely as johnny said uh as starved as we've been for entertainment that is about to change drastically because all of the movies that have been put on hold that we didn't know what was happening are either coming out fully in theaters fully on streaming or as is the case with Kong uh, versus Godzilla, both, and is the case with Raya and the Last Dragon over on the competitive Disney+. Plus. So uh, the second trailer for Raya and the Last Dragon came out. Uh, we had talked about the first trailer. It looks awesome. Uh, obviously, as a huge Disney animation nerd, anytime a Disney animated feature film is coming out, there's cause for excitement. But uh, this one is really exciting because as opposed to the typical Disney princess musical, which, P.S., 
is always awesome. Uh, this is definitely much more in the Big Hero 6 vein uh, and some of the more action-packed entries. Uh, so this movie, uh, it stars Kelly Marie Tran as Raya and Aquafina as the dragon Sisu, who we finally got to see in this trailer. Um, and for those that don't know, uh, basically the description is long ago in a fantasy world of Kumandra, humans and dragons live together in harmony, but when sinister monsters threaten the land, the dragons sacrifice themselves. And now 500 years later, those same monsters have returned and it's up to a lone warrior named Raya to track down the last dragon and save humanity. Um, so this trailer gave us a lot more of the humor. Like I said, we see Sisu the dragon for the first time, which we didn't see in the trailer. Uh, but I think the trailer pretty much belongs to Khan Baby, which uh, was the, the, the best part. Uh, when Raya at the beginning is saying not to trust anybody, sees an adorable baby, trusts it, and instantly is conned because that baby has, uh, has a more sinister plan. Um, but what did you guys think? A lot of fun stuff in the trailer, a lot of cool action, a lot of gorgeous vistas. Uh, what were your guys' reactions? Yeah, I thought it was a really, really good trailer. I mean, the yeah. first one was was a teaser. It was a little peek at the world. Like this one, you're actually, you're getting some of that humor. Uh, definitely con baby, very funny. You could hear the voice of Benedict Wong as one yeah. of the characters, the giant yep. guy with the with, with the eye patch. Yeah, yep. this, this looks like it will be a very, very entertaining movie. Um, and you get that, you get the Disney, Disney talking animal from, yep. from Aquafina. And Aquafina, I was not always, I have not always been a big fan of. I, I didn't love her in Ocean's 8, but I really liked her in her film. What was it the, about her the farewell. family? The farewell. The farewell. Yeah. That was, I mean, she was dynamite in that. And obviously this role is going to be a little more comedic, but what we saw in the trailer, she looks great. I mean, this, this one, this one hopefully will be worth the, uh, premier access fee one has to pay to watch it in march yeah, yeah. i think it's going to be what 19.99 or two, no 29 29.99 which is uh i don't know i'm hoping i get a screener so i don't have to pay that much it, but we'll see it um, is an interesting strategy i i really don't know ultimately i mean i know we're going to talk about hbo max yeah. kind of you know chasing chasing disney plus's heels uh, especially with HBO Max releasing all of their movies the way that they are, yeah. uh, I'm curious as how this whole premiere access thing works for them. Yeah, and maybe because Disney is offering it for $8 a month, Disney Plus, that they feel like, well, we can upcharge on certain things because you're only paying 8 bucks for all this other stuff. I don't know if it's logical, but maybe that's their approach to it. But yeah, I love this trailer. This was so much fun. You know, I'm one of those that's like, okay, is it going to be good? And then you watch it, you're like, this is awesome. The visuals were incredible. Uh, I love when there's, you know, sword fighting or anything that goes on with it. It's so much, especially when you put it in an Asian landscape. I've always enjoyed that from samurai films on any form, animated, what have you. It's great to see. So I was excited for this, and I think it looks fantastic. The voiceover work looks great. They had little babies, fun as well. Uh, the design of the dragon is really spectacular. I like that. And the whole approach. Yeah, you know, that one in the group project got the scale. You know, it's nice. It's a dragon that has its own uh, things that it's confronting as well, its own journey that it has to go on as well. You have that nice little moment at the end. Of course, you got to throw in some butt humor. Why not? But I think overall, because you want to appeal to kids and kids love butt humor, but you get into all of this. And I, I think it's really, really funny and sweet and lighthearted. And uh, it looks badass. And I hate I, I hesitate to mention it because I think we're coming close to the time where we don't have to mention it anymore. A female antagonist, a female protagonist. I like that. It's good. It's I noticed it. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And we moved yep. on. And I hope that starts to become something we don't even have to highlight anymore because it becomes more and more frequent to equal the amount of years we had it where it was constantly a male antagonist and a male protagonist. So I'm excited by that as well. 
Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. I think Disney's done a really nice job in the past few years of not only uh, putting female stories to the forefront and female characters for the forefront, but mm. also telling female stories that aren't necessarily about romance. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, uh, Zootopia, um, Wreck-It Ralph uh, mm. with Vanellope, Wreck-It Ralph 2 with Vanellope, uh, even Moana, uh, the relationship between her and Maui is a friendship and not a romantic one. And right. what's really nice about these Raya trailers is maybe there will be a romance, maybe there won't. I don't know. But the story very much seems to revolve around Raya, this female dragon character, them on their journey together, and this female antagonist. And so I yeah. think that's good. The other thing I really liked about the trailer, uh, and I hope they stick the landing on this message, is the whole message at the end when Raya kind of says, uh, the world is broken, you can't trust anyone. And then Aquafina's character, Sisu the Dragon, says, maybe the world is broken because you don't trust everyone, anyone. And I kind of think, if there was ever a time that we needed a, an animated movie that, uh, that doubled down on that message, we are currently in the middle of it. So uh, I'm, I'm all on board for that message. And if they can really kind of inspire us to uh, see past our differences and learn to move forward. Uh, and Aquafina as a giant blue dragon is the one that teaches us. I'm here for it. Yeah, that's a great point. You're all aboard this mission for kick-assery. That's for sure. Boom. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on to our last trailer here. That is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I, I, I This guy, what the heck? It's like they took Ryan Seacrest and cloned him three times over to have Dwayne Johnson because it's insane how many projects the man has going at the same time, all the time, that he himself appears in which is incredible. I mean, Fighting With My Family, which was about a, a couple of years ago, he was involved in it, produced it, made it happen, appears in it. Now, Young Rock, this is the new TV series coming from NBC uh, in February. It's around the corner, a couple of weeks away, February 16th. Hopefully, I can find a way to get involved in this in some way, get an interview if I can. We'll see if I can shake the tree hard enough. But yeah, this is going to happen. This is based on the young life of Dwayne The Rock Johnson from uh, being a young kid to a teenager to uh, going into college and playing for the University of Miami football team. And it's going to be told at times in flashback. Apparently, The Rock is going to be appearing in every episode in some form. Like I said, he appears in all this stuff that he also produces. Randall Park is in the in this uh, uh, trailer, and he's interviewing The Rock, and The Rock is talking about how he is going uh, to be president in 2032, which is very funny. Uh, but it tells the story, and you see the flashbacks. Listen, this is so much up my alley. I, I can't even explain it to you. A, because it's The Rock. But also, B, you're getting all these actors playing The Rock's father, Rocky Johnson. The Rock's mom was very well known. Uh, the, his grandfather, uh, Peter Maivia. You were getting uh, Andre the Giant. You're getting Randy the Macho Man Savage, uh, uh, the Iron Sheik. All these wrestlers are going to make a are going to be in the show as characters, and the actors are going to play them as the characters and as themselves. That's going to be a really fascinating way to explore this old school '80s. Uh, time of wrestling and also see the rocks rise uh, because if you've ever read his biography it's an incredible journey the man has been on to achieve what he's achieved now from the, the depths of poverty to where he's at now uh, it's incredible so I'm looking forward to it it's got some nice humor in it I don't know what did you guys think Look, man, the, it, it's it's really interesting because as as a television actor, you know, you you have to be aware of the stuff that that is that is coming down coming down the pipe. Yeah, I had no idea that this show was a thing until <laughs> I saw. At first, I thought I'm like, is this is this like a sketch? Is this a commercial for something? And yeah. then I watched a trailer, and it's from Nanachka Khan, who yes. created Fresh Off the Boat, um, where she worked with Randall Park. Right. Um, look, this show. 
even before looking at the trailer, I'm like, what what is this going to be? This looks, I mean, this looks darling. Yeah. I mean, this looks like such a fun, very funny and a very sweet show, like a funny show with a lot of heart. And that like obviously I I've never met The Rock, but the 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 impression that you get from him is this guy is just full of heart. Like you you feel like whatever he chooses to do, he yeah. he he goes all the way in. So the fact that he will be appearing in each and every episode. The fact that this is basically about this is about his upbringing, growing up with with this you know with these you know wacky wrestlers all around yeah. him into his days playing football in Miami. I mean, this looks like it just looks like a blast. And yeah. watching the trailer, especially the dynamic between him and his parents, I was like, this is going to be this is going to be awesome. And especially yeah. if you liked Fresh Off the Boat, I have to think that this this is going to top that. Yeah. And Michael, it focused on this theme of family as well. And as much as you might want to bash Hobbs and Shaw, The Rock was a very strong executive producer on that. And that also focused on him going back to his yeah. homeland, going back to I, being family, you know? I mean, even uh, even him doing Moana, like he has done yeah. such a great job of he's done such a great job of him of using his celebrity and using the fact that he's one of the biggest stars in the world, literally and figuratively, yeah. uh, that he's used that to really push uh, his 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 side of representation and tell yeah. stories about his people, his family, his culture, and I think that's super super important and actually makes me like him even more. Uh, when you sent us the trailer and said this, we should cover this today. Like I was, I saw it and I was like, oh, okay, I, I get what this is. Like we'll see the trailer, maybe I'll watch it. Like Shannon, it won me over almost immediately. And also, I will say, like I did not go see Fighting with My Family in theaters when it came oh. out. I was like, oh, okay. I get it. The Rock is producing this movie that's sort of about wrestling. It looks fine. It's pro it's it looks okay. Maybe I'll check it out. And I just never did. And then I was on a plane one night when uh, when we could still go on planes, and I watched it on the plane and just yeah. laughed and cried and loved it. And I have realized that even though I don't I didn't grow up love wrestling as much as you did, Johnny, uh, The Rock knows how to take that world of wrestling that he came from and turn it into a super heartwarming, yeah. super life affirming, super inspiring story. He did it. If you haven't seen Fighting With My Family, I truly cannot recommend that movie enough. Go check it out. And it looks like he's taking that same brand mm -hmm. of the stories that he wants to tell and bringing it to this. And it looks great. All, yeah. all, the, all the phases of his life look great. Like it just looks amazing throughout. He said it in one of the TCA panels. I think he said, this is my love letter to wrestling from that time. And so, and you can see the way he's approaching it. He's making it very accessible. He's making it very fun. I really doubt you're going to get into some of the nefarious parts of that time of shit that went down in the 80s with wrestling as well. So you're going to get more of a playful access to it. And that's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, that scene in the trailer where he goes, well, as a young kid, he goes, it's all fake anyway. And the looks <laughs> on everybody around the table, that's a very uh, well-known thing. People get very upset about that. If you want to watch some old clips of uh, people interviewing professional wrestlers in the 80s where they try to get them to admit it's fake, uh, Hogan knocked out Richard Belzer one time with just a hold when Richard Belzer claimed it was fake. He just held him with a hold passed out and his head slammed onto the onto the floor so it was like it was a whole big deal so was it was it john stossel who got smacked yeah stossel got smacked by dr d Dwayne, david schultz because <laughs> vince mcmahon told dr d like don't let this guy leave without without believing that it's real and so wow. when he said to him hey i so i hear that it's fake and he just finally after the fifth time asking me just unloaded on the guy 
which was uh, an unfortunate situation because they inspired him a few months later because of the backlash, even though Vince told him to do it. So welcome to Vince McMahon. But this is also produced by The Rock's company and his ex-wife, Danny Garcia, who is co-president of the company. They also own the XFL. Like I said, this guy doesn't sleep. They're now running the XFL as well. So it's mind-blowing the time he has to do this kind of stuff. And you're right, Shannon, one of the most genuine dudes you're ever going to meet. One of the nicest guys willing to give. You know, having interviewed him twice, he was willing to do a kind of promo with me. Will do other things. It was incredible. So I hope this show takes off and is a big success because clearly they're going through different stages of the rock. And you wonder if it's all going to be like moved around in time and what have you. So it's exciting to see. And I hope it goes well. You know, why not? We get a young Sheldon. Why can't we get a young rock for God's sakes? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right. What's our next thing? Uh, well, <laughs> there over, there, over there cracking yourself up, huh? Uh, I love Mike. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So moving on, yeah. uh, we actually, it, as we said, like we're about to get a bunch of awesome stuff. Uh, we covered the trailer that came out uh, a little while ago for the uh, Amazon Prime's animated take on Robert Kirkman's uh, hit image comic, Invincible. Yes. Um, the trailer came out a bit ago, looked super cool, showed us a lot of the action, showed us it was a very adult co- uh, animated series, but it didn't give us a release date. So we now have an actual release date. Uh, it's going to be on Amazon March 26th. They're going to release the first three hour-long episodes. So Mm. three hours of animation, and then it shifts to a weekly format with one new episode coming each Friday through April 30th, eight episodes total. So assuming that each one of them is the same length, this is an eight-hour animated series kind of put into hour-long chunks, which in addition to getting the release release date of March 26th, that's awesome. These aren't uh, 22 minutes. These aren't half hours. Like full hour-long episodes is pretty awesome. Um, Additionally, they released kind of a first-look clip Uh, It's an extended sort of two and a half minute look of uh, Invincible and his father Omni-Man playing catch as a father and son do, just doing it in a superhero way. Uh, And it's Steven Yoon, who's from uh, Walking Dead, and uh, J.K. Simmons as Omni-Man. So it's an awesome clip. Uh, Without getting into any spoilers about Invincible, if you've not read the comic and you're not familiar with it, um, the relationship between Omni-Man and his son, Invincible, is sort of at the core of all of this. Like, it is a father-son show. Uh, it's a show about what happened. Basically, the conceit of the show is what happens if your dad is Superman and you know that as soon as you hit puberty, you're getting all of those powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what does it mean to sort of become this hero? So it's an awesome scene. Again, shows off just the absolutely gorgeous animation. Like if we're getting eight hours of this quality, like as an animation nerd, I'm here for it. As an Invincible fan who absolutely loved the comic, I can't wait to see them go down this road and tell this story. Uh, and again, starve for content, and we are about to be in the middle of all of it. So what did you guys think of this clip? Uh, Mike? Oh, Shannon, not happy. Not a fan, huh? Well, again, I don't know the book. So my anticipation is based solely on the enthusiasms that you guys have expressed in the past for this. If only like, there was a place you could get it. If only <laughs> there was like just service. Watching, watching the scene, it's fine. I feel like in terms of like your, your, your everyday TV goer, mm-hmm. um, you have so many superhero options. Based off of the marketing, what makes this different? Now, I know you guys have said there are there are big twists and turns in the story mm-hmm. that you can't necessarily put in the marketing because it would ruin the story. Um, but right now, I mean, am I going to watch it? 100%. I'll probably really like it. But if I were not 
if I didn't have friends like you guys who had who had read the comic, uh, there would be nothing about this show that would be driving me to Amazon Prime to watch it. I think this is keep, this is keep yeah. it up, keep it up. You might not have friends like us for long. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Bringing the world together over here now. <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying is our friendship isn't invincible. Oh. That. Uh, okay. <laughs> Vogel in the last geek buddy. All right, listen, this is the this is the I I I agree with you, but I think this is a fascinating thing you bring up, Shannon, because Mike and I probably, because we've read it, uh uh looked at this scene and and brought our own stuff to it, especially that one line where the dad says, You might have to do things you don't want to do. You know, you're like, What oh, is he gonna? And then he goes, and other things that you know that you, you will want to do, you'll need to do, blah blah blah. So he kind of covered it up there in that moment. But I like that this clip. Let the animation breathe. It didn't fill it with a lot of dialogue. It was just breathing a little bit. And I like that. Them just sitting in the air, throwing catch around the world at each other. It was just, it gave it time and this kind of relationship. And it's so, if you think about it, it's kind of like you could see Clark and his dad doing that in the uh, in in Kansas in the weave. You see them playing catch, not obviously with, with his dad having any kind of superpowers, but that idea of father-son playing catch it's like literally elevated to a whole nother level yeah. in this trailer, which I enjoyed. And I liked the animation. I liked the look of it. And I liked the feel of it. And the voiceover work from JK and Steven Yoon, I thought worked really well as well. So overall, this just gets me more excited. But Shannon, you bring an excellent point. Is it bringing in people who haven't read the comic book? Does it excite them? Does it interest them? So I think that's a valid opinion to have for sure. Yeah, I think that... Um... I, I do think, and as we said, there's probably a lot that they just can't show because they are mm -hmm. really worried about kind of revealing things, especially if you're telling these stories in hour-long chunks. It makes me think yeah. that they're going to get through a lot of this story really quickly. They're not going to necessarily take their time. Um, but also, like, to me, I love a scene like this, kind of to Johnny's point, where in the world of trying to wow everybody and show what you can do, like, a nice animated scene that actually takes time to have, like, some nice character beats mm. is awesome. Uh, so the fact that, uh, although I don't disagree with Shannon, the fact that this is the clip that they release might not be the thing to excite new fans. Uh, as someone who is familiar with the story and is a big animation fan, it does give me confidence that they actually are going to be telling this story in the right way. Mm. Uh, so that makes me excited. Uh, and I do imagine that this is a comic book property that is big enough uh, with a strong enough fan base that when the episodes do come out, uh, I'm pretty sure fans are going to do uh, the marketing's job for them as far as <laughs> tweeting about it and getting the word out and kind of telling their friends to check it out. So it will be interesting to see how it performs for Amazon Prime, but I have a feeling it's going to do pretty well. That one's coming up in March, right? Is that yep. correct? Yeah, so we got that coming around the corner as well for sure. And full disclosure, Robert Kirkman uh, owns Skybound Entertainment, which also owns the Schmodown now, SEN, which is where I host shows. So uh, I, I don't have to shill for this because I'm an independent contractor but uh i think it looks fantastic so um all right uh what's our last oh is it me for the last one oh right, you let's jump into it all right real quick uh because i know we're, we're way over the time we usually spend on these uh geek news items but hbo max just released uh their numbers for uh, warner brothers rather released their numbers for hbo max and hbo subscriptions some really big numbers i'm going to bring them up here real quick some really big numbers were announced by them uh for their successful at this point uh uh hbo max endeavor uh it, hbo max has reached 37.7 million subscribers which includes 17.2 million 
activated subscribers. So they're also bunching in people who already had HBO uh, and it just converted to HBO Max. Uh, but the activated subscribers is what they uh, uh, kind of pinpoint as people who downloaded the app and signed up and are using it consistently throughout uh it's uh bringing it's it's and also the release of wonder woman 1984 uh, uh helped to drive the domestic hbo max and hbo subscribers to more than 41 million this is according to at&t ceo john stanky he said it's two years uh faster than their initial forecast their initial forecast was trying to get to 35 37 million uh subscribers in a couple of years the fact that they've already blown past this is really interesting um however their profits are down because, of course, COVID and what have you. So this is kind of a mixed bag of results. Yes, the streaming service has increased its subscriber base. Yes, the idea possibly of these films being released day and date all year this year on HBO Max from Warner Brothers uh, and other companies affiliated with Warner Brothers. Uh, like we saw the new the new video that dropped with Dune included. Like all of that, that is uh, uh, maybe a reason for all of this. Uh, but what do you what do you take from this, uh, Mike and Shannon? Are you do you think this is the right move now? Do they feel validated, even though they kind of fumbled the ball with that rollout of this announcement? Um, or do you think this is just a, this seems to make sense because everyone's home now? Well, I think there was probably some. There, I mean, there there was brand confusion when mm -hmm. this came out of of well, what is HBO Max? I already have Mike. HBO. Do I need this too? Oh, I get this automatically. Yeah. Um, HBO Max has been my go-to streamer for most of the pandemic. I mean, wow. aside from all of like the all of the HBO stuff, like you, yeah. you get their entire, I think their entire library. Um, you're getting a, a bunch of stuff from Warner Brothers, a bunch of stuff from DC, a bunch of stuff from TBS. I mean, right now I, I'm on I'm on a rotation of watching Warrior, which was a Cinemax mm. series that Mr. Vogel um, suggested, and it is dynamite. Stargirl, which was made oh, for wow. DC for DC Universe, but then went to CW, and Wrecked, which was a TBS sitcom yeah. that is literally one of the funniest things I've ever seen on television. It's not a surprise that Wonder Woman eighty four was sort of the thing that got pe more people to jump on at least for a month, right. because you know, again, star for entertainment. You want to see the Wonder Woman sequel. Hopefully, this continues. Again, like I. It, it, it surprised me that they didn't have they didn't have their version of the Mandalorian to start off with to say mm. you are only going to get this on HBO Max like they kind of had that with the flight attendant which came months after they months yeah. after they premiered and the flight attendant great show um, not for the whole family very yeah. much very much a grown up show so it'll be interesting to see with their day and date with Warner Brothers, if their subscriber numbers are going to keep growing. Yeah, Mike, what do you think? I mean, yeah, they will. I mean, it's smart. I, they fumbled the whole thing. Like they, the the way that they unveiled this as sort of a, hey, we're just doing this with all of our movies, clearly not consulting with our creative talent because our creative talent was all super pissed off about it. They fumbled it, but it doesn't mean it's not going to work for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know that HBO Max is my go-to streamer, but I do use it a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's there's just a lot there, and I think that they have more marquee things than Netflix does. But ultimately, any of these streamers, Netflix, HBO Max, uh, Peacock, 
Disney Plus, all of them, they're going to work the same way HBO did. Like you subscribe to HBO for the 10 weeks that Game of Thrones is on because you want to watch Game of Thrones. And there's a reason that before every episode of Game of Thrones, they do all their HBO commercials for everything they have coming up after Game of Thrones stops. Like they want you to be like, oh, I'm going to keep that subscription a few more weeks and check out insecure or i'm going to check out you know like that's what they do and so same concept here that uh yes they're gonna see a bump like they saw a bump with wonder woman 84 and with dune or kong versus godzilla or in the heights or any of these Mm. movies they'll see a bump or they'll see people come on and stay on um and then let's just assume that once things get completely back to normal and we're out of this pandemic, they kind of pull back on this and say, okay, we're doing our big budget things in the big screen. You're going to hope by then, uh, I know we're about to talk about it, that people are going to stay because of the HBO series or this new marquee thing. So I think that this is, uh, you know, at, at most, this is a giant shift in the way that Warner Brothers is going to do feature films moving forward forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And at least this is a way to boost their numbers in the first year to try and get them closer to Disney Plus, closer to Netflix. And then by the time it's done, they're going to have more of their original content ready to go, to your point, Shannon, to have their Mandalorian, to have yeah. their WandaVision, uh, you know, their the James Gunn Suicide Squad show, things like that. Yeah. They're going to keep people going. So yeah. I think it's good. I, I kind of also think that like all of these studios uh, and companies, like they their projected numbers are always... Um, yes, safe (laughs) they 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 project safely so that they can then say that they exceeded their numbers because that's the news story if if they if they had projected super high and it hadn't come in there there wouldn't have been a lot of articles and we wouldn't have talked about it yeah i mean i think that's a fair point mike you're making look you you've been executive at a studio you i'm sure you would know how they do certain things so you you always you always you're like hey how much do you how many subscribers do you think we're gonna have Uh, i think we're gonna have like 20 million let's tell them that we're expecting 12. <laughs> oh my god we exceeded it it's 20 million <laughs> good idea and let's make sure we lump in with the numbers the numbers of people who've already subscribed yeah. by, by pay channel and what have you uh but <laughs> bernstein analyst peter supino said in his earnings preview of hbo max investors reacted well to the announcement that the company would be releasing its 2021 movie slate direct consumers via their their hbo max platform this should drive incremental subs to the platform but we are still concerned about hbo max's scale relative to other streaming leaders now at this point they've announced that they adjusted their projections to want to hit 50 to 55 million subscribers by 2025 uh and they're gonna uh, warner media is launching an advertising supported version of hbo max in the second quarter of the year to begin rolling the service out internationally as well so that's another way to line this thing up so i think once this all gets settled we will go back to the theater but i wonder how many of these streaming services that have been set up and have put so and and companies have put so much capital behind are going to you know be okay with losing subscribers I, I don't know that they will be. So I, I, don't, I don't know that. I mean, look, I know that we are unique and we are not necessarily your typical uh, movie goer or entertainment yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I was, I've, we've talked about this and I've been thinking about it and I realize what I'm actually going to do. Like when these big movies come out, if if this if they stay on the streamer, like we're all going to go to the movies. Sure. Like, like when, if, if take Godzilla versus Kong. If the option of going to see it on a big screen with your friends on a Friday night was here, 
I would, you know, say, Johnny, drive up. Shannon, let's get the gang together. Let's all go to Wood Ranch, get some food. Let's go see it. But then the bonus for me is as a subscriber, I don't have to come home and be like, oh, I really want to go see it again. I guess I have to go back to the theater this weekend. Right. I can go see it with all my friends in the theater, have the popcorn, have the night out, have my have my social mm-hmm. gathering. And then the next morning I can wake up, make some coffee and just watch the fucking thing again at yeah. 10 a.m. because I have HBO Max. And I actually think, again, knowing that we're not necessarily typical, maybe, maybe that's not what everyone is going to do. But I actually think more people than you assume will do that because mm-hmm. we do like going out and doing something with our friends. And I think that that yeah. is going to be a piece of the puzzle that people aren't considering. Agreed. Agreed. I I definitely feel like the streaming for for us, the the streaming market is is taking the place of home video, Mm -hmm. is taking the place of Blu-ray and 4K. You know, I mean, the 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 theatrical experience, especially for a movie like Godzilla versus Kong, like we might enjoy it. We're going to we're going to enjoy having something new to watch. It's not going to be the same as watching these two titans slug it out on the big screen. Yeah. Will that matter to most moviegoers? I don't know. I know for a certain segment of the population, it will matter. So yeah. when it is safe to go back to the theaters, people are going to do that. But what? But like Mike said, the idea that you can watch it on Friday night with your friends out out in public and then be like, God, I really want to watch that movie again. You can you can pull it up Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, studios have already been focusing over the last few years on opening night, on getting as many people as possible to be in the theater for this event, opening night, breaking records on opening, a $225 million opening weekend. They've been focusing that way anyway. So this, to me, just keeps going further down that path because, yes, you'll get to have the opening weekend, and then people will get to what, what you'll lose is the repeat business that keeps those but, records coming. Yeah. But you but you are right. I think that we're already so trained. Like it's great when a movie has like a long tail over the summer and ends up going on mm. to make however many billion dollars like a like a like a Marvel movie does. But we're so trained that like the big news is usually the opening weekend box yep. office. It's yep. the it broke 200 million. It broke 215. It broke 250. And I do think that ultimately uh what's going to happen is that is that the movies are still going to have their giant opening weekend box office. And then I think after that, if they do go straight to streaming or if the window is closed or if it was a day and date release, you're not going to see the movie go on to make, uh, you know, however many hundreds of millions of dollars because people can go watch it at home. But for the company, the box office may go down, but the subscribers go up. And ultimately, however that math works, I think it ultimately balances out to be great for the studio. This is something that's probably great for the consumer. And as a moviegoer, as long as I can still go to the movies and have my night out, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I hope there's someone working on a book about all of this because I would love to see them be able to break it down studio per studio, how they were able to make these decisions and then what the profits were from this situation, you know, so we shall see. All right. That's our geek news items for this episode. We're going to take a quick break and then get into some Harry Potter news in our main topic here. Uh, right after this. Okay. There it is. Jesus, I'm trying new things and I don't have it all squared away, so I apologize if anyone's confused by that. I'll be editing that out. All right, uh, <laughs> let's get into our main topic here. I'll just tee it off with Mikey, please. I want to hear your thoughts on this first. 
Uh, this is coming to us from the Hollywood Reporter, specifically Leslie Goldberg. Uh, she's reported that sources were telling THR that executives, Warner Brothers executives, have had a series of meetings with writers with the goal of bringing a Harry Potter TV series or multiple Harry Potter TV series uh, to the HBO Max streaming uh, situation. This has been happening apparently for a little bit. The store, the sources say that there are these are broad ideas at this point that have been discussed as part of an early stage exploratory meetings. Um, we had a friend of ours uh, uh, text us that uh, he'd heard about this already in the wind. Uh, so this is something that's been happening for a little bit. So now uh, I get your, I want to get your thoughts on this, Mike. First, I mean, you know, I'm the, you know, I, I worked at the Harry Potter man, but I know you're the full, full Harry Potter head amongst the three of us. So does this excite you? Do you like the idea of a TV series? Do you think this is even going to happen uh, and then we'll get into uh, a little bit later in this discussion what we would like to see happen if they did a TV series. So please, Mike. Whew. All right. Well, uh, let's let's navigate this. Uh, okay. So first of all, uh, I know that HBO Max and Warner Brothers kind of came out with some kind of PR statement that said that this wasn't happening or there wasn't currently anything yeah. happening. Yeah. But they're clearly talking about it. I've heard from multiple people that they're you talking have. about okay. it. Oh, like multiple. Oh, my friend is pitching on this. Oh, I know this. Like, like I have heard from enough people right now that this is happening. That it's like it's happening. They're thinking about this. Um, so the reaction has been interesting because overall there is clearly a lot of love and excitement for this universe. And I think that the idea of telling stories within the Harry Potter universe and expanding on it is something that anyone who grew up loving the series and living Harry Potter the way that we all did is excited about. They still have the JK Rowling issue, which is that there is a significant number of hardcore Potter fans who have been put off by some of her opinions uh, yes. about the trans community. And there is a... Um, desire not to put more galleons in her pocket uh and a desire to say anything that you do whether you buy the ps5 game that's coming out next year whether you support the series whether you buy more harry potter books ultimately jk rowling gets that money and there are people that feel that they don't want to support that which is totally fine um i feel like this is a opportunity putting aside the if you don't want to support anything Harry Potter because you don't want to give J.K. Rowling money, uh, which I completely respect, and is yeah. as is anybody's right, putting that issue aside, I am curious to see where they go with this because I feel like the wider that you expand the wizarding world and the universe of Harry Potter, the more characters that you include... Uh, and the more creators that you bring on to tell stories in this universe, yeah. the more of an opportunity you have to make this universe reflect the diversity and representation that we feel is sometimes lacking in its author. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's a lot of potential here. Um, for Warner Brothers and for HBO Max, this is a win. We were literally just talking about how HBO Max doesn't have its Mandalorian, mm -hmm. its WandaVision, its all-ages giant franchise show. A Harry Potter show ticks every single box that they could want. And if they do decide to not have their movies released day and date on HBO Max anymore, it is the exact kind of content that would keep subscribers a thousand percent if they get it right. Yeah. And I think you can't deny that as HBO Max is figuring out what their strategy is, when you look back to that Disney Investors Day meeting where they, where they announced nine Marvel shows, uh, some animated, some live action, nine Star Wars shows, some animated, some live action, and you see how Disney is taking both the Marvel Universe and the Star Wars Universe and creating not just one piece of content, but like 
miles of content that can go on for years with new characters and new worlds and new ideas. Warner Brothers has Harry Potter as their crown jewel, and it is the one brand that they have that could do exactly what they're doing if they handle it right. So yeah. that's a lot of ifs. Uh, they could totally mess it up. Uh, the J.K. Rowling factor is definitely a huge albatross around their neck that I'm sure they're trying to figure out how to get away from as best they can. But uh, it's a giant opportunity. Uh, we'll get into what I think they should do in a minute, but what do you guys think? You, you know, it's uh, it, it's one of those things that it's it's shocking that they haven't done yet, that they haven't been able to announce something yet. I mean, there was a story last week in Variety that actually one of our one of our uh, audience members tweeted at us about an, a Warner Brothers executive named Tom Ashaim. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but he had been promoted to uh, the, to head the studio's Harry Potter franchise and the Wizarding World properties. So basically, he's going to be. The, the head of the studio yeah. representative. Ultimately, does that position mean anything? Because J.K. Rowling has the final say. We don't know. But I do think it was symbolic that they are trying to put more, more names in the hat in terms of what the audience can expect. So like, Shorting okay, that? she is not the only one. You know, we have other people involved. And also bringing new writers in is a good idea. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the original creator... Yes, they're the one. They're the one that were the, that was responsible for for birthing this universe. But getting different points of view, people that grew up on that material, provides us with some really great entertainment. Um, so yeah, fingers crossed that this will actually see the light of day. I and, and as far as the executive thing with uh, with with Thomas Shime, like I do think that uh, it when you when you promote someone to that level and you have an internal executive that is focused on one brand it does mean that you are actually going to focus on that brand and it also puts someone in place that is there to ultimately be the studio executive that is meeting with writers creators directors uh, i'm not i'm not going to say he's the Kathleen Kennedy per se, but like JK Rowling is not the one that's going to meet with directors, creators and whatever to do just other pieces of this. So it, it definitely does point to Warner brothers trying to get at least a sliver. Ultimately, I think she still has creative control. Yeah. She still has final say, but I think it's you, you're seeing Warner brothers try to get that sliver of creative control back yeah. to say, you still have final say, but we're going to start shaping the direction of where we're going here. Yeah, and the J.K. Rowling thing is an important thing to think about too. And it's look, I don't like like Mike just said a few a few minutes ago. Like we're not the typical consumers, right? That go and so I I don't know how much the trans stuff would stop a lot of people necessarily from going. I don't know what the, if those comments would. Surely there's a segment, a section of people who don't want to support it. Uh, you know, but those are the same people who are watching Mandalorian. Those are the same who don't who have no who have issues with Cara Dune and Gina Carano things you're saying, but they're still going to watch. The episode so you wonder it wasn't really affected by that so maybe the studio sees is that that's just a storm we have to to go past looks we'll have with ezra miller with flash no one's addressing that video at all and they're just powering forward with that uh with that movie the same thing with ray fisher there's like well, ray fisher's uh he's, we, we did our investigation we're gonna move forward so it seems like warner brothers is just it almost a little bit like the mouse is like we're just gonna go out with their money there's money here for us to get Let's go get it. So that's how they look. So to me, I think this is a brilliant business decision. Absolutely. And as you said earlier, they don't have a they don't have a Mandalorian. You're right, Michael. This would be their Mandalorian if they get it right, and it could be multiple series like we're seeing with the Mandalorian, Ahsoka, uh, Andor. You know, these spinoffs that are coming off of or off of movies or off of the Mandalorian with Book of Boba Fett. 
This is all smart business decisions by Warner Brothers. And I want to throw something in because you talk about J.K. Rowling. Rowling controls the franchise. This is according to Hollywood Reporter. I'm going to talk about rights here. Rowling controls the franchise and has a say in everything involved in the property. NBC Universal in 2016 inked a seven-year rights deal with Warner Brothers domestic TV distribution that included U.S. broadcast cable streaming rights to the Wizarding World. That deal ends in April of 2025. It included digital initiatives as well as theme park content and events. The pact also meant Warner's, Warner execs had to make a side deal that allowed all of the Harry Potter features to be on HBO Max uh, streaming briefly. And uh, when the service launched last May, now those films are going to be uh, uh, going on to Peacock, the new Universal NBC Universal streaming service, which I'm on Peacock at a date later this year. So there's a lot of moving pieces to this, but it all ends with JK having worked at the park. I know JK was very much involved in the construction of the park at Universal Studios, uh, both in, 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 in Florida and here in California. So, yes, everything stops. And you wonder, Michael, if they've moved this person into this position. So maybe this is almost like a George Lucas situation where they try to encourage her to maybe have less to do with it. And if there's a moment, you don't necessarily buy out J.K. Rowling, but maybe there's a moment to be like, why don't you just sit back, do your thing, collect the money, We'll handle making all the money and doing all these things and, you know, let us have it for a little bit and maybe cooler heads prevail. And she does step back a little bit so people don't connect her with it uh, as well because it'll open the door to representation. And nothing would say that more than to have a trans character in the first series they release. So, yeah. yeah. I, yes, I look, I'm sure that Warner Brothers would love nothing more than for J.K. Rowling to take a bit more of a backseat, uh, just with the performance of the Fantastic Beasts and yeah. this whole trans issue. Um, so again, I do think that uh, if you don't want to support it because you don't want to support J.K. Rowling, totally get that. Absolutely. Uh, but beyond that, I think that the Wizarding World itself uh, has a lot of good going for it. The Harry Potter, like, look, like her or hate her, uh, and acknowledging the fact that she definitely had some missteps in her storytelling as far as representation, cultural things. Harry Potter still is one of the biggest pieces of literature and entertainment that has happened in our lifetime. It's not something like all of our comic book franchises that we've loved because we've read them for years. It's not even like Star Wars, which has been around since 77. Like in this immediate lifetime, in the past 20 odd years uh, or more, a little more than that. Um, this thing came like out of nowhere. Yep. It blew up and it is now on the level. Like people look at this world and get invested in this world in the way that they get invested in superheroes, in Star Wars mm -hmm. and other things. So there's definitely things that are not cool. Uh, LGBTQ representation, non-existent until she said Dumbledore was gay after the fact. Right. Uh, the names like Cho Chang, the way she handled sort of Native American issues with the American wizarding schools, uh, obviously the trans stuff. So there's a ton mm -hmm. of issues. But that being said, there's a lot of really good characters, a lot of good storytelling, yeah. a lot of good world building. And I think that using this as an opportunity uh, to expand that world, like, like you were saying, to make it more inclusive, to have more colors of character, to 
colors of character, to have more characters of color, <laughs> to have more LGBTQ characters, including yeah. trans characters, to kind of show the the breadth and width, to use these fantastical characters like house elves, like centaurs, mm-hmm. like the things that she sort of set up in the books as far as like Hermione feeling like elves were treated poorly and then never stuck that landing. Like, so if we move into expanding this world, uh, which gets into your point, Johnny, your question of like what we would like to see. Yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily need to see more stories about Harry and Ron and Hermione yeah. as adults. I don't need to see stories about Harry as an auror for the Ministry of Magic. I don't need to see stories about their children. I think what Star Wars has shown us um, really well is that you can tell me stories about wizarding uh, kids or muggles or anything that I've never met before. Hmm. And the world is strong enough, uh, the world of the wizarding world, the world of Hogwarts, the world of all of this is strong enough that I'm going to be on board. Tell me, if, do an entire series about elves, the house elves, and give me a brand new character to be on board with. Like they, they have an entire world at their disposal. And I think the further they get away from the core characters that we've been living with, and the more they start to tell more interesting and diverse stories within the wizarding world, the more success they're actually going to have. And the more opportunity they have to get further and further away from what JK Rowling has done or said that has been problematic. Yeah, Shannon, it's almost like people have been clamoring, let's move away from the Skywalkers. In the Star Wars series, the same thing here. People want to, you do feel that people want to expand the world out and move away from Harry Potter and everybody involved with it. Nothing's anything wrong with that, but they just want to move away from it. Yeah, I mean, look, the the Wizarding World is a very rich world. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't have to focus on your core characters to come up up with good stories. I mean, Fantastic Beasts, for, for all of its pluses and minuses, uh, you know, Newt Scamander for me is just not that interesting of a protagonist. Yeah. Um, had he been written differently, had he been portrayed differently, if 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 it had worked, we'd all say Newt Scamander is the best thing. You know, the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think, while I do agree that there are corners of that world that have been unexplored, that you can you know create some amazing stories. We've never. We're going to see the rise of Voldemort in a series or a film yeah. at some point like like you don't leave that story on the table and not tell it i mean that's literally that's literally what the prequels were for star wars like how did darth yeah. vader become darth vader and like we've yeah. seen we've seen the you know the flashbacks in the movies but to really give it sort of the the proper treatment they're going to do that as a, as a series or a film at some point. Yeah, I, I, yeah, Mike. I wonder if the move is to go and do like the Marauders at Hogwarts and the rise of Voldemort, and you know, yes, it, predominantly white characters, but maybe because it's kind of set in the pseudo seventies in that world. We saw in the 70s in our world way more sitcoms, way more shows uh, that focused on people of color uh, and then got kind of disappeared for the most part in the 80s and 90s. And then, boom, we're seeing it now explosion finally after the BLM protests and the last few years, of course, more of that representation happening as well in the B2 situation. So is this where they could go back in the 70s and then show more, ironically show more uh, uh, acceptance, more people of color, more situations, while they're also setting up this master, massive wizarding war yeah. against Voldemort. 
Well, look, I think that the wizarding world uh, does not necessarily have to carry with it the same uh, issues of segregation that we have in our world. So I think they right. can go back to any level Good and point. fill it out with more characters and just do just create more diversity within the wizarding world, which they should 1000% do, whether it's prequels or sequels or wherever they place it. Mm -hmm. But I do think, yes, like, look, there are characters within the world that we would love to see in a prequel series or a sequel series. But kind of to your point, even if you go back in time and you're like, let's talk about Harry's parents and show them growing up in the Marauders map, you're telling a story where your lead characters are going to be yeah. Voldemort, Harry, Voldemort, uh, uh, Harry's dad. Harry's dad's name? What's Harry's uh, James. dad is? James. James. James, James and uh, Lily. Yeah. So you're going to see, it's going to be Voldemort, Voldemort, James, Lily, Severus, Lupin, Peter Pettigrew, like, yeah. They're all white. So yeah. I think that like getting away from that a little bit just will allow for more diversity and different perspectives. And like, yeah. I would love to see, not not that I think you should ignore race, but like there's a black creator out there that grew up loving Harry Potter uh, that did not necessarily see themselves represented in any major characters that would love to come in and write their story about a black kid at Hogwarts and what they did. And I think that's great. I think a coming out story at Hogwarts, I think a trans story at Hogwarts, the rubber's going to meet the road when a creator comes in and says, look, given everything that's gone down, I think we need to have a trans character and it goes up the ladder and JK Rowling says, absolutely not. Uh, that's where... Yeah. For Warner Brothers, the rubber's really going to meet the road. Like, yeah. if they can really expand on this universe, they can win and they can make Harry Potter their Star Wars, their MCU. And I know that that's their goal. That's a thousand percent has to be their goal. There's no way it's not. Um, and I do believe that right now what they're doing, I don't think they know. I don't think they know what they want to do. I think I think they have a bunch of writing teams and writing pe and, and writers and creators and directors coming in and they're doing exactly what the three of us are doing right now. They're mm -hmm. coming in and saying, this is what I would do in this universe. And they're waiting until they find something that they're like that. Yeah, that's the thi that's the thing that's going to get us to move past all of this. Yeah. and put Harry Potter where it needs to be. And hopefully they hopefully they take a risk. Hopefully and, they do something a little bit different. And the thing is, you don't have to be... You could do it at Bobaton Academy. You could do a whole Bobaton series. Just, right? Like, I just saw... You could just do a whole series about the ladies at Bobaton. You could just do a whole series about Victor Grum and his crew. You could just do a whole series as separate kind of things as well. Well, beyond that, you could do a story about... Um, look, we all love Hogwarts, and we know everything about Hogwarts, and we've lived in Hogwarts... But is Hogwarts where only the more privileged people go? Like, what if you're a wizard and you don't get to go to what's, Hogwarts? Yeah, what's like, what is your life? Of yeah. <laughs> yeah, sort of. So, I mean, I think that I think that there's a lot of interesting things. Like, I think I that when it. Harry Potter was at when Harry Potter is at its best and has been at its best in the past, putting aside where it's at its worst, which we have all discussed at length. When it is at its best, whether that is through Dolores Umbridge and the way that she treats everybody at the school, it takes aspects of our life, whether that is politicians, the right wing, uh, different things, and kind of gives the wizarding spin on it and makes us go, oh, that, that relates to the world that I'm in. Yeah. And I think that if they can navigate some of the issues that Harry Potter as a franchise is currently dealing with and face those issues head on and say we're going to take the wizarding world and reflect that back to you and make our statement on how we actually feel about this. They could win back a lot of people, even if stuff still goes into JK Rowling's pocket, even if she still ultimately gets yeah. dividends from this, if they're telling stories that really push the world, uh, the world that we want to see and it's reflected back to us in the way that they show us the wizarding world, they could win. Yeah, absolutely. Any final words on this, uh, Shan? No, man. I mean, Harry Potter is 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 was such a blast to read. 
going to the park is so amazing. And I hear the experience that they have in London is fantastic as well. Like hopefully we, we get, we get the next generation of Harry uh, of wizarding world stories being told. And hopefully they're on HBO max. Yeah. I would totally wear a robe to the London experience. I would, totally I would do that too. Yeah. yeah. All I have to say is a uh, Akio TV show. <laughs> well, let's see if this one gets Wingardium Leviosa off the ground. We shall see. We shall see. We shall oh, see. Oh man. You worked there and came up. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's been a few years. It's been a few years. The spells don't come off as, they don't come as trippingly off the tongue anymore. We're, we're going to be talking about that in your, uh, that in your next review, Mr. Roca. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Accio, kiss my anyway. All right, so uh, that's the uh, end of this uh, episode of the Geek Buddies. Thank you all so much for joining us here uh, for this fun conversation about everything's going on in the world of entertainment. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, ah, Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey? Uh, look, if you're a Gryffindor like me, a Ravenclaw like Johnny, a Hufflepuff like Shannon, or if you're cooler like all of us, uh, than all of us and you're a Slytherin, uh, we definitely want you involved. We want all houses are welcome here at the Geek Buddies. Uh, and here's what we need you to do to bring even more students to our school of geekery. Uh, we need you to hit the like button below, uh, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw page, uh, leave some comments below. We love to get back to you. We love to hear what you guys thought of the episode. We love to engage with you guys, debate things. What do you guys want to see out of a Harry Potter series? Mm. Uh, if you are not a J.K. Rowling fan right now, what would get you to watch it? Uh, if you are a J.K. Rowling fan, how would you want to handle this? Like, let us know below. We want to hear from all opinions, all sides of this debate. Uh, and beyond that, if you are listening to us on Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, definitely rate us. Definitely some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings. And the most important thing that you can do is share this video. Uh, a lot of you guys have been awesome about this, so keep retweeting. We see it. Uh, keep telling people that this is the place to get all your geek news. Share it with your friends. Let's keep the conversation going. And uh, hopefully we will be here with you through uh, Marvel shows, Star Wars shows, and eventually even Harry Potter shows. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would be great as well. And don't forget, we've been doing these WandaVision uh, recaps and reviews and analysis and Easter eggs uh, on the Geek Buddies every Saturday now. We've just, uh, we did, just did episode three. If you haven't watched that one yet, feel free to do so. We did episode one and two. Some of you may be late to the party on WandaVision. You're just watching these episodes now. Watch our reviews. We go bone deep on our reviews in analyzing everything and all the Easter eggs and everything's happening. So if, you haven't, if you've missed out on those, they are up on the channel for you to, list, to watch or or if you want to listen to it on our Geek Buddies uh, 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 podcast uh, stream as well. Yeah. And to all of you guys who have been saying uh, in the comments and on Twitter and everywhere that uh, that our WandaVision reviews are your favorite reviews uh, and the most in-depth, we appreciate it. And we Absolutely. promise to keep being super, super nerdy and going <laughs> super, super deep. Uh, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about this weekend after episode four. So definitely check it out. Yep. And shout out to Emma Five, who's been incredible to be our guest for those reviews as well. All right, that's it from us. Thank you all so much. Please take care of yourselves. Practice the social distancing. Wear the mask and come back and join us next week for another brand new episode of The Geek Buddies!
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.